Oh, 2020, what a year it's been. I think what triathlon has taught me is just to be myself. There's something about being the one who knows where you're going that is really empowering. So much of women's rights are tied up with women's sports. I was 54. I had a kidney transplant. If I can do it, surely you can do it. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. I'm Haley Chura, and my co-host today, as always, is Alyssa Gadeski. Alyssa, how is it going? Hi, Haley. It's going pretty well this week. How have you been? I've been all right. We had a lot of snow over the weekend here in Montana, but it actually warmed up a lot today. I was not expecting that. It was 36 degrees Fahrenheit when I wore, when I woke up this morning, and I'm already at the point of the year where I see 36, and I think, wow, it's warm. And so the snow is gone. It actually was – I went for a pleasant dog walk right before I got on the call with you, and I have, like, totally adapted to winter, Haley, at this point, I think. like Wait, 36 was the high today? Uh, I might have gotten a little warmer, but just to wake up and have it be 36 felt very warm when the previous day, I think our high was like 28 degrees Fahrenheit. So oh my gosh, it was a much, much more pleasant to go for a dog walk today than yesterday or a that run is, or any outdoor nuts. activity. Yeah, we are having, we're having some definitely cold mornings. Like we had a frost advisory and so that was like a big deal here. Um, but it hasn't, it's like. It always warms up. The temperature swings are just nuts here because it can be like, you know, maybe you get an evening in the 40s and then maybe it's like upper 70s in the daytime still. So we're like in the time frame of lots of layers and things like that, because what the weather says in the morning is not the same as what it's going to be in the afternoon. But Haley, I did get to kind of race this week. So I am back on the orienteering circuit because those events have started happening again and I was super pumped. So Matt and I were able to go. It was about a little over an hour, I guess, from his house. And we got to go do an orienteering race. And that's generally speaking, like pre-COVID times, those events were actually quite socially distanced anyways, because as they were, there was always like a window where you would show up to race. So it was very rare. You know, sometimes you would have an event where it was a mass start, but that was like once a season. So typically they are run as like a, you know, show up during this window time and then you can go. And I mean, you don't see really anyone else out there. So some extra, some extra steps are happening now with like sanitizing the, um, like e-punch things, like your little checkpoint puncher thing and things like that. But in general, again, like pre COVID, it was probably really socially distanced more than we, we really thought. Um, and do you wear a mask? Do you bring a mask with you just in case? Yeah, so you do when you go check in now, you're wearing a mask. Um, and then when you go to get your results, you wear a mask. And then I do the thing where you just, I had a buff on during the event. So if I did come across someone else in the woods, I had the buff to be able to pull up super easy. Um, but I mean, it's so funny with that. Like you'll see someone in the woods and then you literally look down at your map and you look up and that person just like disappears. Like, I don't know. You're rarely really with someone else unless you're trying to be in these things. And I'm super excited though, Haley, I have to tell you. So I've been studying, like I've been reading this book about maps and I've been really working on my map skills. And so mentally I felt very ready and physically, like I felt pretty ready to do, um, the second hardest course. So you get to like pick what you sign up for in terms of difficulty. So we were doing the red course, which would be the second hardest. And it's about supposed to be about an 8k. Like if you did it perfect, you'd be running 8k. So, um, 
I was just very excited. Like I did, I, from studying this silly, well, not silly books from studying this great book about maps, but I feel silly when I'm reading a book about maps. Um, I have learned so much and I still am like running more than, you know, the distance says because I'm making mistakes here and there and I'm not taking like the most perfect lines and things like that. But I was actually ahead of Matt until checkpoint 10. So there's 16 checkpoints and Matt had a five minute, I gave him a five minute head start so that like we assumed he would be faster than me. And if I started first, he would have caught me at some point in the woods and then he'd be able to like see where I was coming or going from. So that would kind of be cheating for him to like get a little bit of help. So he started first and then at checkpoint 10, we kind of like crossed paths and he was like, oh, are you looking for checkpoint 10? And I was like, I accidentally said, Haley, I was like, I already found it. So then he's like, oh, I know to go that way then. And I was like, no, I gave him like, I gave him the clue. And so I got flustered because I like, I think I knew that I gave him too much information. And then I struggled to find the next one. And then I was like pushing myself, pushing myself. I get to the car and he was already there. So he did end up beating me still by five minutes, but that is by far the closest I've ever been to him in one of these. Usually I'm like 30 or 40 minutes behind him. So I'll take being just five minutes behind, but I'm so close. So we get to have a rematch in a couple weeks. Studying and practice pays off. Who would have thought? Alyssa, I'm proud of you. I think this is a, a, a great skill to learn and I'm glad you are working on it and I'm glad you're seeing some improvement. That's very exciting. It was super fun. And I only ended up running like 7.3 miles and Matt ran like 8.9 or something. So he, my navigation was so much more spot on that he went an extra like mile and a half essentially, right? So, and maybe he did that on purpose because he knew that would be a faster route or something like that. So that kind of, you know, was up in the air, but I was still quite proud of my, my navigation skills. So I'm excited to keep, I'm excited that those races are back and that I can kind of do that for a little bit this winter. That does sound like great winter activity in Virginia. Here in Montana, I got to drop off my ballot this past week, and that was very exciting. And speaking of masks in the wilderness, I guess, I found that it it is really nice for keeping you warmer. Um, I guess I would wear a buff or some kind of, sometimes I would run in like a full face mask sometimes here during the winter. And, but you know, a general mask is really nice for just walking around for warmth. And so I was actually very, very much enjoying my, my whole mask get up as I walked to the polls or walk to the ballot drop-off box. We have vote by mail here in my County in Montana. And I, um, live not too far from the, from the courthouse where you could drop it off. So filled it out at home walked to the polls or the courthouse and dropped it off in the box. It was very quick and easy and I feel very good. Oh, and Alyssa, I was able to check like my voter page online and my ballot was accepted. And so I'm feeling very good about that. That feel, I love that they are giving you the ability to check and make sure it was received and accepted and things like that. That is an excellent feature to this year's voting process. Have you voted yet? I know you were observing the polls. Are you, Did you do early voting or are you waiting till November 3rd? I did. So Virginia opened up early voting on like September 17th or something. So I did it super early so that I could. You had to vote before you were an observer. So I did that pretty much the first week I could. And then I actually just mailed mine in. I um, I really like my mailwoman. And I, tr- I, I know that the mail like 
goes through a lot of people's hands once it's like put in the slot. But I was like, I trust, I trust Liz with this uh, ballot here. So you were trying um, to get like brownie points with Liz. You were like, uh, I want her to know I'm a voter, <laughs> that I'm like an engaged citizen. Like Liz needs to know this, you know, when, when, and Liz is like, cool. <laughs> well, um, you know, for everyone out there, if you haven't yet voted and that in voting early is an option, I think it's pretty much an option everywhere. It might be ending soon in some places. So just make sure you're up to speed on what your options are and please go vote. Haley, one of the important things that kind of might come from this election is a focus or a kind of concentration on things like climate change and making sure our world is being safer for future generations and will still be here for future generations and that we are doing everything we can in that regard um and there's a cool promo not necessarily like with climate change on a very high level but i did notice that one of our sponsors orca sportswear had a contest that has been actually happening for a month and i just caught it this week and i wanted to share it with people because there's a week left And it has to do with kind of treating our earth a little bit better and some thing we can do to try and eliminate waste. Is this the Orca Upcycling Award that you're speaking of? Yes, it is. Do you do you have any of the details on that, Haley? It is. It's I do. I do. It's part of Orca Sportswear's Sustainability Month. And so this award is the what you have to do to enter is you have to publish a photo of you upcycling a piece of gear. This could be your wetsuit. It could be a backpack. It could be a tri kit. I'm not sure. Get creative. You know, anything that you use as like athletic gear, upcycle it, find another use for it rather than throwing it away. And then you post this picture on Instagram or Twitter, use the hashtag Orca Upcycling Award and tag at Orca Sportswear. And you could be entered or you will be entered to win an open water kit, which includes a wetsuit, a safety buoy, uh, special goggles and a silicone swim cap. And the idea behind all of this is that Orca has posted that 2.1 billion tons of waste each year come in like our fill up our landfills. And they put it into swimming terms as that's more than 800,000 Olympic swimming pools. So it's a lot of waste. And they talk about the the carbon footprint of creating a wetsuit because neoprene is not recyclable. So sometimes if you, you have a wetsuit and it gets old, it's up to us to find another use for it. So definitely think about it. You have a week. Think about it. You have till October 28th. Um, how you can upcycle any old, any old athletic products, post a picture of it. You can also tag Iron Woman podcast because we would love to see it as well. Yeah, I was going to say, I would love to see people's submissions. So definitely tag us in those as you send them in. And again, you have till October 28th. So any country can enter. Um, so game on, let's get those entries going in this last, like, 10 days or so well I guess by the time you listen it'll be the last week so you you guys the t- clock is ticking and if you are in the in the market for something new um orca.com you can use the code ironwoman15 for 15% off anything on there they have wetsuits swim run wetsuits accessories like paddles a safety buoy if you are headed into the open water swimming 
uh, if you're in a warmer location these this time of year. And and then a cool new trash pickup bag, Alyssa, that um, they are also encouraging you to, on your local beach, pick up any trash that you you find, which is kind of a neat idea. I don't live near an ocean beach, but I was thinking, I was like, oh, I could go up to the reservoir and just, you know, kind of look around there and see if there's anything I can pick up. I think it would definitely work up there on your local trails or anywhere. I think they'd they'd appreciate it getting used, even if it's not like near a big water source or something. Um, Haley, we we had a couple mailbag questions come in. And the first one that we have for this week is from Nancy. And she has been listening. She's tried noon hydration tablets at the from the grocery store and she loves them. So she went online to use the noon code, which is live feisty with a capital L and a capital F for 30% off for our listeners. And, but she realized that the American company for noon doesn't ship to Canada, um, like all of the products. So there's kind of like a Canadian subset of noon, I guess. And not all the products are available through that. And she was just curious why. So we dug around a little bit and this is actually something that we are working on getting a little bit more clarification on for you, Nancy, but we believe that it's because the FDA regulations on supplements and noon hydration as just an electrolyte tab is even just a, a supplement. It's not necessarily something we often think of as a supplement, but it definitely is. And FDA regulations are different in U.S. and Canada. And in terms of what can be, um, I'm not sure if it's what can be like shipped or just sold or um, all of that. So we are getting that clarified. Hopefully we might have a better answer for you in the next couple of weeks. But um, until then, I hope that at least you can access your favorite flavor of the noon sport tabs through that Canadian shop. That's a good question and very interesting answer. Thank you, Nancy. And Haley, Nancy actually had a follow-up one that came in just in the, the nick of time for this week. So we're going we're gonna to hit that one too. And she is wondering how she can get on a Zwift race team. So I talked a little bit last week about how I'm taking up a new hobby in Zwift racing. And I joined a Zwift racing team. And so Nancy, I'm going to email you back because I believe we are still taking women on to the I Race Like a Girl racing team. So I'll kind of introduce you to Amanda Wendorf, who's helped bringing everyone together. And she'll give you all the details on that. If there is anyone else out there who really wants to get involved, you can send a note to our mailbag at ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. And hopefully we are, hopefully I'm not at that point being like, oops, I was wrong. You have to wait till the next session, but I'm pretty sure I'm still right. So, um, everyone can get involved. It's super fun. I'm having a good time. Um, I think I'm getting some better cycling legs, Haley, but that has yet to be. Don't looking at my like Zwift power scores or whatever, you're not quite seeing that yet, but I'm feeling it. And so that's like the better, that's the more important part, right? That is the more important part. And it's only been a couple of weeks, Alyssa. I think you need to give yourself plenty more time. It'll come around. You got all winter. <laughs> you have a while. <laughs> and, and potentially the spring and <laughs> potentially longer before we're really racing outside again. But that's another story for another day. Haley, we actually have a really great interview today and we are going to talk to Laura Gruden who just last month she raced back-to-back weekends of 70.3 racing at the Bear Lake Brawl in Idaho and then Cozumel 70.3. She had very different conditions for these races and it also ended up with very different results for her. So she tells us a little bit about that and her transition to 70.3 racing from ITU. We find out what famous pro 
retired pro triathlete is now her coach. We also find out what Olympic training partner she has. So a lot of good nuggets in there. And we'll hear from Laura after a word from our sponsors. Okay, Alyssa, it's quiz time. Please tell me which noon hydration product I should be drinking during the following scenarios. First up, a two-hour hard bike workout. Ooh, I'd go with noon endurance because you need some carbs for that. All right, second question, an easy shakeout swim. Probably some noon sport, keep it light. What about working from home? Noon sport yet again. Final question, a three-day, 16-hour, fastest known time attempt on the 46 high peaks of the Adirondacks. I'd definitely say noon instant for sure. All the electrolytes, please. Ding, ding, ding. You got them all right, Alyssa. And I think it's obvious there's a noon hydration product for every time in life. Iron Women podcast listeners can try them all and get 30% off using the code livefeisty at noonlife.com. Again, that's livefeisty, all one word with a capital L and a capital F. Use that code for 30% off any purchase at noonlife.com. Haley, it only took a global pandemic for me to realize how much I truly appreciated swimming and to make open water swimming something I am actually eager to do. Then you'll be super excited for our new 2020 partnership with Orca Wetsuits. Alyssa, you and our listeners can get 15% off at orca.com with the code IRONWOMEN15. This is meant to be. My first wetsuit I raced in was an Orca wetsuit, actually, so I already know I like them. I've been trying out their swim run wetsuit. Soon I'll have no excuse not to race one of those events. Thanks to Orca for getting us set up to tackle all the open water swim action. Don't forget, that's code IRONWOMEN15 at orca.com. Triathlon is certainly hard on your skin, without a doubt. That was Teresa Helsel, dermatologist PA and accomplished triathlete. Earlier this year, Teresa came on the podcast to offer skincare advice specific to triathletes. Teresa's two biggest tips were to avoid sunburn and chafing. And luckily, Iron Women podcast listeners get 15% off all Zelio skincare products, including Sun Barrier SPF 45 zinc-based sunscreen and Betwixt Athletic Skin Lubricant and Chamois Cream. Use the code IRONWOMEN at teamzelios.com for 15% off and use Zelios products to protect your skin during all your swim, bike, run fun. Hi, Laura. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So some congratulations are in order for you because you recently raced Cozumel 70.3. And not only was this like just congratulatory because a, like a race was happening in 2020, which is a celebratory thing these days in general, it was also your first 70.3. So we're super pumped for you and congratulations. Thank you so much. It was definitely a new experience. And so for a lot of people these days, like, traveling in general domestically is, can be tough with restrictions and rules and stuff. How was it traveling internationally over to Mexico, um, during this time? You know, honestly, I thought it was going to be worse, but, um, it went pretty smooth. Um, we left from Tucson and stopped in Dallas and then it was Dallas straight to Cozumel. And, um, you know, you arrive in Mexico, you have to fill out paperwork and go through security, but nothing too crazy. I mean, they spray all your luggage and, you know, constantly checking your temperature when you leave the airport, when you come into the airport. 
um, constantly interviewing you, you know, like, have you had contact with anybody with COVID and stuff like that? But, you know, everyone has a mask on, you're constantly using your hand sanitizer, they're clean, everything. I didn't think it was too bad. The, the plane is packed, though. That was kind of, you know, a little stressful, just because they've been saying that there's an empty seat in the middle. And now, you know, you're just like, packed in there. But it was smooth. It was easy. And were you were you able to just travel like book a ticket as normal or did you have to actually get like a work visa or something? Because, um, you know, I was just kind of looking at what races are happening and what travel. And it's like if you go online, it's you know, it, it's so confusing to find out what's essential travel allowed and like what's not. So was it just you could go as normal or did you have to get a certain type of visa to go? No, so for Mexico, it was really easy. Um, you didn't have to get a certain visa. I know through Ironman, we had to buy, like, a certain license for that day. I don't know if that was part of the visa. But, you know, you had to fill out, like, a questionnaire before you um, entered Mexico. But besides that, it, it was easy. I don't know how it is, though, for Europe or, you know, other places like that. But Mexico was not bad at all. What about at the race? Were they taking your temperature? Were you wearing masks? Were they doing anything different? I know this was your first 70.3, but you've done other triathlons. Was it, did it feel the same or was it different? No. So it's totally different actually. So what was crazy though is, so every time you enter um, the expo or packet pickup or, you know, even to leave your bike overnight, they're constantly checking your temperature and it is so hot and cause a mouth. So like if you walk over to packet pickup, obviously your temperature is going to be super high. And what happens is, is if you enter and your temperature is like over the limit, you get like a mark against you. Okay. And so what'll happen is on race day, if they check your temperature and your temperature is over the limit, they won't let you race. But you getting marks against you. I don't really know what that means. You know, it's not, he, they just said that if on race day, if your temperature is over the limit, um, they won't let you race. And so it was crazy because you literally couldn't warm up. I mean, you were stuck in transition because if you left transition to go warm up and you came back and they checked your temperature, obviously you'd be high. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. That's crazy. I actually, I would like really struggle with that when, we did temperature checks at the pool. It's an outdoor pool where I've been swimming over the summer, have been swimming. And I would walk the block like from my house to the pool. And it would be the same thing. I was getting put in timeout every time I was showing up and having to like sit in the shade with like a towel over my head to hide from the sun to cool down. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was definitely interesting. And then, so you have to have a mask on the whole time. And, um, for the pros, I'm not really sure what happened with the age groupers, but for us, you know, they let us warm up before the race starts for the swim. So you have your disposable mask, you put it in the trash, you jump in the water. As soon as you come out of the water, they hand you a new mask, you put it on, and then you wait to be called up and introduced. And then again, you take your mask off, jump in the water and get ready to go. I mean, they're very on top of that. You know, you, you cannot be in transition without your mask on. So we're like trying to run around transition with a mask on, sweating, it was pretty interesting, but it was fun, you know, a new experience. And what about the actual race? I mean, we mentioned this was your first ever 70.3, but you have raced Olympic distance. You raced sprint distance. You raced ITU draft legal races. 
like how do you how did you feel about your race performance okay so I was definitely really nervous because um when I talked to my coach you know she was like Laura I just want you to know you're going into this race and the field is pretty stacked you know so don't be intimidated and so so already that I was kind of nervous and then you know I've been really stubborn about riding my TT bike so I was a little stressed about that but you know what honestly I had so much fun I mean I was so happy to be racing you know it was like I said a new experience new distance you know I felt like I had to eat a five course meal during the whole race and that was a little stressful because you know it's like do you eat too much you don't want to eat too little we have to go to the bathroom so, I mean, it was just really fun. It was fun. I, I loved it. And what was this reason, the reason for doing a 70.3? Was it just because of the pandemic or is this actually, do you plan to go back to ITU draft legal racing or are you like hooked now? Well, I am a little hooked. I'm not going to lie. Um, I, it, so Originally, I would be doing ITU races, um, you know, internationally, but because all of them have been canceled, my coach and I decided, hey, let's try 70.3. You know, she actually feels that this distance is better suited for me. So I was like, okay, let's, you know, give it a shot. And I really am hooked. I mean, I can't wait to figure out all the logistics of, you know, like I said before, eating and um, just riding my TT bike more and all of that kind of stuff, but I really enjoyed it. And, and I'm going to be doing another one. Hopefully it goes on in Texas, November 22nd, I believe. So, you know, I wrote down everything that I could have done better or, you know, that I need to work on. And so I'm going to try and put all of that together and then see what I can come up with in Texas. Laura, it sounds like you're a little bit surprised. And I think you even mentioned that in one of your Instagram posts that you were like surprised that you actually did enjoy this distance. Right. So can you articulate at all? Like what were you, what were you expecting? Like, did it, I don't know. Did did you always like ever watch a 70.3 before? And you're like, man, those people look miserable. This can't be fun. And then you're like, oh no, it actually is fun to suffer like that. Like what kind of, how is that different from what you were expecting? Okay, so I will be completely honest with you. Before this race, I had never ran 13 miles straight. So I was very nervous for that part. Um, you know, the swimming and the cycling, I do those that type of volume all the time. But, I mean, I maybe ran 11 miles twice and then more like eight to nine miles. So I was a little intimidated with the run and especially because of how hot and humid it was going to be. You know what I mean? So yeah, that, I think that's what I was a little intimidated with, but, uh, and so how how did you feel like when you hit mile 11 and you're like, okay, now every step is new. Like, did it even cross your mind or were you just in? Yes. No, I was, I was like, hell yeah, this is a new PR. (laughs) I was so excited. And, you know, of course, I'm, like, dying out there because it's hot and I'm drinking as much water as possible. But I was like, Laura, this is so exciting. And, you know, what was awesome was running through the Ironman sign. Like, I was so excited about that, coming down the red carpet. I'm like, this is so cool. Laura, is your your low-ish uh, run training volume, is that because of an injury? Or is that just because of that's how your training is structured, just to go – 
not huge volume, but probably more intensity as you're preparing for these shorter races that you typically do. Yes, exactly. So um, knock on wood, I've never been injured. Um, But I think that my coach were just trying to build me up slowly to a 70.3 distance. You know, our main focus was the sprint and Olympic distance. And then when COVID happened, things kind of changed. And so when we decided to do the 70.3, it was like, okay, Laura, like, you know, we need to bump you up a little bit, but let's see how your body reacts. And luckily, like, I've been really good, you know, recovery and sleeping and all of that kind of stuff is very important to me. And so slowly, slowly, we've been trying to build up the volume. And I'm sure eventually, you know, I'm going to be doing longer runs. It's just, you know, listening to my body and my coach just trying to be a you know, a little sensitive because I've never done a distance like that. You mentioned that it was like having a five course meal out there while you were racing. So how did you approach that fueling, like going into it? And, you know, are there things you would do differently for your next one? So luckily, like my coach, um, you know, she was a very good uh, Ironman athlete. So she was able to advise me very well with eating and nutrition and drinking. Um, so we just came up with like a game plan of what I would do. And, um, and I followed it, but what I think happened was, is, you know, towards the end of the bike, like the last, I think it was seven miles. I was in eighth place and then two girls caught me and I could feel my body kind of like getting tired and, and I didn't have another gel. So I just thought, okay, let's get to the run. You know, we'll eat a gel, hydrate again and go from there. But I think, you know, that last seven miles on the bike and then the first five K of the run, I was struggling a little bit and, and I know it was a nutrition thing. So I either need to eat more than what I had or, you know, spread out the gels a little more. That's just something I guess, you play with and then you figure out, but, um, that is the only part that really hurt me. Laura, who is your coach? And can we give her a shout out? I mean, have you been working with her for a long time? Of course. No. So we've been together for, I would say, um, let's see, um, six months and it's Leanda cave. All right. Wow. We've had Leanda as a um, guest on this podcast. And I did notice a picture of you wearing like a team LC t-shirt in, I think one yeah. of your Instagram posts. So you're on that team LC. We talked to her about her, her kind of philanthropic adventures there, but that's cool that I didn't realize she was coaching as well. Yes. 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 So definitely has Leanda cave for anyone who hasn't listened to that, uh, that episode. She is uh, world champion Kona and 70.3 distance. So definitely, right. definitely knows her stuff. Um, I'm curious about it. Like the IT racing that you've done, was there anything that you think gave you a leg up? You did, you finished 11th. I don't think we've said that yet, but was there anything that you took from your IT racing? Uh, I mean, were your transitions faster than everyone else? Maybe. <laughs> yes. Oh yes. My transitions were really fast and you know, I didn't, So with the swim, I didn't really realize that for 70.3, you know, you got, well, people don't go out as aggressive, you know, it's still aggressive, but positioning is not as important, you know, because in ITU, I mean, you want to be out there with the front pack because you want to be with that pack on the bike. And so the swim is very, very important. 
And with this race, I was able to hold back a little bit more in the swim and, you know, get in a position to draft off of somebody and then come out of the water, hop on my bike. You know, my transition was very fast. Um, and the bike was different because, you know, we're so used to draft legal. So I was like, oh my gosh, I have to do 56 miles by myself. So, you know, I think like when I went into this race, I was just a little bit nervous about how hard I could push myself because one, like I said, you know, I'd never done 13 miles running straight and I just didn't know. I knew that I would be able to complete the race, but I just didn't know how it would feel throughout it. And so, you know, in the swim, I was like, okay, maybe I can serve a little bit of energy. And then on the bike again, conserve a little bit and then give everything that I have left for the run. Um, you know, in ITU, it's just, you are like redlining the whole time. And it's just a battle out there. Um, you know, you're trying to get out on the swim, you're in the pack on the bike, trying to save as much, much energy as you can. And then the run is basically an all out 5k or 10k. With 70.3, it was a little bit different. You know, it's not so high stress, I feel like, but maybe that's just because it was my first one. I'm not really sure. I'm sure as you move up in the rankings and all of that, it becomes just as competitive. But, you know, for this first race, I was just trying to figure out what I was doing. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes total sense. And this race actually came for you um, shortly after what looked to be a disappointing attempt at the 70.3 distance at the Bear Lake Brawl 70.3. So that was, I believe, a week just a week before. Right. And yes. it, I think yes. your day ended with you like hypothermic on the bike course, which doesn't sound fun at all. So can you tell us a little bit about that day and kind of how things unfolded and, um, like, yeah, how you, how you got through that. Okay. So that race, so I was really excited about that race because I felt like, you know, um, it would kind of take off the cobwebs, right? Because I hadn't been racing because of COVID. And then I'd be a little bit more prepared for Mexico. And so, you know, we went in with to Idaho, just kind of like trying everything out, eating and, you know, feeling out the bike, the run, all of that. And so when I got there, you know, I'm coming from Tucson, Arizona, where it's been 110. Okay. And <laughs> I go to Idaho and it's like freezing cold and it's raining. And I'm like, okay, that's okay. It's cold for everybody. It's going to be fine. So literally every person from Arizona either DNF'd in that race or just had a horrible race. Um, so we start, so we get on the beach and it's delayed by 30 minutes. So already you're just standing outside in the freezing cold rain, the water's freezing and everyone's just waiting to start. And then the swim gets shortened because it was very choppy. And so we had to swim like buoy to buoy against the, um, the shore. And it, it was like 500 athletes and you had to sight literally every other stroke because you didn't want to have a head on collision. Okay. And the water was, I think it, I posted in my Instagram, it was like 63 degrees. And, um, and I was okay. I got through the swim. I got a cramp in my leg and Leanda said it was because of the cold. Cause I knew it wasn't a nutrition thing. I'm not, you know, a type of athlete that cramps and I get on the bike. Um, and I thought, okay, I'm going to warm up, you know, it's going to be fine. And it just starts pouring rain, pouring rain. And these officials, um, were designed or were like for just the pros and they were going up and down the road, you know, checking to make sure that everyone was okay. 
And um, the officials come up to me and they're like, hey, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm fine. And they're like, well, you're swaying a lot. And I was like, well, it's really windy, like, but I'm okay. And I guess what happened was is the official kind of went ahead maybe about a mile. And by the time I reached him, he basically just flagged me down and he's just like, stop. And my lips were so blue. My hands were white. I mean, I was so cold. And luckily we got, I got pulled over in front of this house where these spectators were standing in front of it. And the officials were like, Hey, this girl needs to get into a hot shower or things are going to get, you know, bad. So these people, these random people take me into their house, put a chair in the shower and literally sit in the bathroom with me for 45 minutes while I'm in this steaming hot shower. I mean, people I don't even know. It, it was like, I mean, I had angels watching over me, honestly. How did you get back? Did they give you a ride oh, too? They, did they give you yeah, dry yeah, clothes? Get, like, yep. I'm, I mean, sorry. Yep. I know this isn't the yeah. point of it, but I'm like the logistics of all this that you just like at this stranger's house and it's yes. it is the middle of a pandemic. And this, yeah, that's an incredible story. I mean, it was, it was crazy. And it was so crazy because the house, it was a 50 bedroom house. And there was like 30 people staying in this house. It was, it was a Mormon family. And so they were all gathered together for a vacation. And I mean, they were so nice. They gave me clothes. They gave me um, chicken broth that was hot. You know, I mean, I, I don't even know how to say thank you to these people enough, you know, and they took me back to the race. I mean, it, it was, I was very, I was being looked after during that. Uh, how did, day. how long, I'm just picturing, this isn't really a relevant question either, but I'm just picturing this happening to me, and walking into a house like this and just keep continuing to like meet people, right? Like, how did you, did you well, like I was, share things, I guess? No, you know, I was so out of it that they actually had to carry me into the house because my whole, both of my legs had like, seized up and just cramped and I couldn't even move like I literally couldn't even walk and so these two guys like helped me into the house and I'm I'm so cold I'm like shivering you know I'm not really paying attention I really didn't know what was going on and I mean they took care of me they took my bike they took my stuff they started putting blankets around me they got the shower hot then they put me in the shower in my um, tri kit and then we just sat in there. And then it, finally, like after about 20 minutes, I started kind of coming back to life. I mean, it was so weird. I've never experienced anything like that in my life. Wow. Um, neither have I. Yeah. And I've done several 70.3s. <laughs> you got to do it on your very first try. So I'm curious yeah. about this, this plan, though. Initially, like you've never done a 70.3. You've never run more than 11 miles. And you decide to do two on back-to-back -back weekends. <laughs> like what? <laughs> Like, yep, yep. I just like, I'm just going all in. Yeah. I mean, you know, I saw the opportunity and I know that, like, like I said, I'm very good about recovery and, um, taking care of my body. And so, you know, we just said, okay, let's try it. I mean, you know, what's the worst that can happen? And if it doesn't go well, it doesn't go well, but we had two opportunities and, you know, it's like, you don't know when races are going to be taken away. So I get, I was given the opportunity to have two races. So I'm like, let's do it. You know, I, I love racing. So it's been very hard for me to not have races. And so I told Leanne, I was like, Hey, can we do two of these? And she's like, all right, girlfriend, like game on, let's go. 
And even when the first one didn't go super well, did you have any second thoughts about heading to Cozumel? I mean, I guess if your po- your problem was cold, you knew it wasn't going to be cold in Mexico. Right. I knew that the heat was going to be totally in my favor. Um, after the race, I was like, you know, I was struggling with like being embarrassed because I had never DNF'd in a race. And I just, it's not something like that you take easy, you know, I, I care a lot. And so, and I'm very passionate about it. And so I was just disappointed, but, um, I worked with a very good therapist and, you know, we did some mental work and got myself back together. And then I was like, all right, Mexico, you know, it's on, this is my redemption. And I'm going to finish a 70.3, like no matter if I'm crawling at the end. So I, I got really excited for Mexico. I was so happy that I had that as, you know, a second race. Laura, we like to get our listeners familiar with our guests and their backgrounds, but I okay. tried to be stalking you. And to be honest, I couldn't find too much information about you, but I did find some Instagram posts referring to a town in Italy as your hometown and things like that. So I have questions about this. Like, are you Italian? Okay. How did you, you know, are you, did you spend time in Italy? Is your family there? What, what's that about? Okay. So my, I'm first generation born in the United States. My father is Italian and my mother's Turkish. She's actually half Turkish, half Italian. Um, so growing up, my parents would send me to Italy for the entire summer. And um, I speak the language over there. So we live on the border of Italy and Slovenia. So I speak both Italian and Slovenian. And um, I'm a dual citizen, so also in Italy. And um, yeah, I... Uh, you know, I did some race. I did a race in Italy two years ago, I believe. And my dad's side, they all live there. So my aunt, uncle, grandma, cousins, everyone's there. And then on my mother's side, half of them live in Istanbul, Turkey. And then the other half is also in Italy as well. So a lot of culture in the family. (laughs) And Laura, you went to the University of Arizona. So that's how you've ended up in Tucson. And I heard that you got into triathlon after, or like a, I don't know if it's career or time as a boxer. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. Yeah. So I came to the U of A and I swam with the master's program my freshman year. And then I think I just kind of needed a break from all of that. And so I started, I met a friend and he took me down to the South side of Tucson and he introduced me to this guy named Kiyoshi. And he is a Native American um, boxing coach. And I started working out with them. Nothing serious or anything, but, you know, I started getting stronger. And I started, you know, he'd be like, hey, do you want to spar with a couple of the guys or the girls? And I'd be like, okay. And, and, you know, I did taekwondo growing up. So I've been kind of in that world a little bit. Um, And then just, I don't even know how it happened, but he's like, hey, Laura, do you want to get your license and do a fight? And I was like, oh, I don't know, you know, because the girls are very intense. And so um, he's like, come on, let's just try it. So I went and I did my first boxing fight and we got, we won fight of the night. Like it was so crazy. And then, um, you know, I did a couple more fights, but then I had to, I stopped because like I said, I mean, girls get really crazy and I was showing up to work with a black eye and I'm like, okay, new career. <laughs> like this isn't good. I'm just, this the story is like making me <laughs> reminisce about this boxing class I took at the Naval Academy because it was required. And it is, it's like very intense and very, and 
I don't know how how tall you are, but in Navy, they would only match us up by height. And so I was matched up. I'm 5'8", oh, yeah. so I was often, like, one of the taller people. So I get matched with women who are, like, 5'8 and taller, basically. And it was, like... Yeah, it was definitely scary. You have to be a different kind of mentality when you're doing that kind of competition versus like triathlon or something else kind of running related. Oh, definitely. I mean, you and I would be a match because I'm five eight as well. But, you know, the big thing that came for me from boxing was, you know, I struggled with being confident and boxing really, really helped with that a lot. I mean, I don't know if you can relate to that, but there's something about it that just makes you feel secure and safe and confident, you know? I can see that. I, I'm i impressed that you got there. I never got there, maybe because it was like a very short course and we moved on to wrestling, which I was equally as bad <laughs> Can I chime in here really quick, though? I also took a boxing class at the University of Georgia. This is like a bizarre thing. (laughs) But I never actually fought anyone. Um, All I remember was that, like, even just, like, holding your arms up and, like, tapping a bag for three minutes is so unbelievably hard. Yes. Totally. You know, like, 30 seconds, they'll say, okay, punches for 30 seconds. And it is the longest 30 seconds of your life. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. It gave me a lot of respect for boxers. I mean, it is a very, very challenging sport. So I'm very impressed that you took it that way. Where, when did triathlon come into the picture? Was it like, did you know someone who was a triathlete? Is it just because you're in Tucson and it is kind of a great triathlon training ground? So actually, October 1st was my four-year anniversary of being a triathlete, I guess. Um But what happened was, is I started, I was working at a physical therapy place and there was a cycling program that um, took place in the same building. And um, the coach asked me to come and be one of the coaches for um, a group called Junior L Tour, which is a cycling program here in Tucson for kids. And what they do is they, you know, take kids that come from difficult backgrounds and they train them for a couple months. And then we do the tour to Tucson, usually like the, the smaller ride, it's um, the 50-mile ride or the 40-mile changes every year. And um, one of the coaches, he was like, hey, would you like to be a coach? And I was like, look, I haven't been on a bicycle. I mean, I don't really know what I'm doing. I can try. And he's like, yeah, I'll teach you how to ride, you know, and then you can be with the kids. And, and, and one of my friends did it as well. So she was like, you know, let's do this. And so I did it for two years and learned how to ride a bike and did the program. And then um, he was telling me, he's like, Hey, you know, you should try a triathlon because you have a swimming background and you know, you can run. And I was like, Oh no, 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 I'm not doing that. No way. And, and so it literally took almost a year to convince me to go do my first race. And so there was a race here in Oro Valley. Um, and you know, he said, just do it. It's a sprint. It's easy. The swim is in a pool, you know, no big deal. And I was like, ah, okay, okay. And I had this bike that was like so heavy, you know, it had like five gears. I mean, it was just ridiculous. And so I did this race and I like won (laughs) and I was so excited. I was like, oh, that was so cool. And then it, it just like took off from there, honestly. Well, and you were definitely in the right place. As we know, Tucson is known for being a great training ground for triathletes. And yes. you have a good friend and training partner there, USA track athlete and Olympian, Georgianne Moline. Mol- Moline? Yes. Yes. Okay. Moline. How do you balance training together 
when you're doing triathlon, she's doing track. Cause it seems like you guys get to run together quite a bit. Okay. So, well, we don't run together, but what happens is, is that when she, ha- when I have track workouts, she will come out there and um, pace me. Well, pace me, but not by running. Like she's usually the one on the clock and making sure that, you know, I'm hitting the right times or keeping me on track. Um, but we never, we don't work out very much together. You know, if we have lifting the same day, I'll go with her to McHale and we'll lift, but we have different workouts. I mean, we're such different animals and it's really cool because we're best friends and, you know, because we come from such different worlds, we can really, really support each other. You know, like there was a time where she was training for the 800 and so she would have, you know, three mile easy runs. So, you know, eight minute pace, eight thirty pace. And I would go with her and do those, or I'd, you know, ride my bike next to her. And then she comes and supports me when I have track workouts or she'll come to the pool and, you know, do running in the pool while I, while I have a swim workout. I mean, it, it, it's really cool. <laughs> That is very cool that you can have drastically different. I think Georgian was like fifth at the 2012 London Olympics in the 400 meter hurdles. So quite yes. different than even a sprint distance, Olympic distance race yes. where you're running a 5k. You're racing for about an hour compared to like um, less than a minute. So very, very yeah. different. Um <laughs> 50 seconds. Yeah, there you go. So that's, that's very cool. What about the mindset part? I'm just curious about like when, you know, are you able to learn from from when you know someone you're close to someone who's been at the very top of a sport? Um, like, are you able to learn from her and just her approach to, to a good workout, to a bad workout, to a good race or a bad race? Oh, yes. I mean, she has been, I'm so lucky to have her as a best friend because she has taught me so many things. And, you know, they say, surround yourself with people that, you know, you want to be like. And so I really, I hang out with, you know, her. And of course she knows a couple other Olympians here in Tucson and, you know, cyclists and swimmers that have been at the top level. And so I'm very, very lucky because I have great mentors. Um, And, you know, being how close her and I are, she teaches me so much. You know, I used to be so crazy about, the way that I ate and, you know, making sure that I don't eat dessert and getting to bed at a certain time. And, you know, I wouldn't really have this social life. And Georgian taught me like, you have to have balance bar. Like if you want to have an ice cream bar one night, that's okay. You know, she really, she made triathlon more fun because I, you know, you get so crazy about your workouts and this and that, and you forget to have fun. And I think that's been one of the biggest things that she's taught me. Um, but yeah, of course, the mental side, you know, last year, I mean, I I'm sure you've seen on my Instagram, I struggled a lot with the swim and I finished towards the back in a lot of these ITU races and it wasn't something easy. And I feel like a lot of people would probably be like, oh, this isn't for me, but she helped me stay on track. And she's like, no, you know, this is how it goes. You know, you're not going to be at the top right away. It's a journey. And so, I mean, we, we've been really good for each other. I help her too just so you know. <laughs> tell us more about that. Tell, tell us about how, like, you know, that you've been able to rub off on her. No, I mean, like, you know, we both have our own um, ways of doing things, but she ended she started working with my therapist as well. And so I introduced her to that world. And then 
Um, so in 2016, she missed the Olympics because of a back injury. And um, that's actually where we became best friends. So I reached out to her and I was like, hey, I really think you should come and see my boss. You know, he's really good at what he does. I know I'm sure everybody is reaching out to you, but just give us a chance. And she came in and we saved her career. I mean, she has zero back problems anymore and she's still running the fastest times that she's ever run. And, you know, I believe 100% in my heart that she'll be going to Tokyo and I hope she wins the gold medal. It does sound like a good match for sure. And we're, <laughs> we'll be excited to watch her journey to Tokyo along, along with you. Um, but I did want to pick your brain a little bit about training in Tucson. As you said, like it's often 110 degrees. I think this summer in particular seemed like it was quite, quite hot out there. Um, you know, pot potentially maybe more than normal. And so how do you approach your training there? Are you like a super morning person? Are you someone who do you do that? Like 3:30, 4am wake up so you could bust out a long session before it's really hot. How do you do it? Oh gosh, not 3:34. <laughs> I mean, every once in a while, but, um, no, I am a morning person. So I usually wake up, I would say five is the earliest. Um, and I really don't like training indoors. So, you know, of course there have been times where it's, I don't know, 85 at 6am and you just have to make sure that you're hydrating and eating. And, you know, I'm not going to go and do a ridiculous like six hour ride in hundred degree weather. Um, so we just try to balance everything out. I did get a treadmill, so I was able to use that. Um, but I think really the biggest thing is just as long as you're on top of your hydration and you're eating, it's not so bad. I mean, it really isn't. Of course, you know, when you're running, you feel so heavy and it's hot. But, you know, I would do runs where I would do an out and back and constantly be hydrating in between. And, you know, Leanda was really good about making sure that if it's very hot, you know, she'd send me up to Mount Lemon and do a ride up Mount Lemon so it's a little bit cooler but uh, I love the heat. I, I really do well in the heat. I'm already having anxiety that it's going to start getting cold. And I'm like, oh, come on. And people are like, cold? Laura, you're in Tucson. Like, it's 40. That's your cold. And I'm like, I know. But uh. Tucson cold is what the rest of us dream of. Y Laura, you mentioned work and your boss. Do you work for a physical therapy clinic? Is that where you work? Yes. And so it's, there's one physical, so we actually left where I used to work and um, now it's one physical therapist and then two personal trainers. And it's just like a little studio. And so we work together over there. My boss opened his own place and he brought me and another guy with him. And how is that right now during COVID? How is working as a, a personal trainer or physical therapist right now? Um, so everything has been virtual we had to close down, you know, here in Tucson and, um, you know, it hasn't been bad. I, I think people are actually enjoying it. I've been very lucky because a lot of my clients have little gyms in their houses or, you know, they live in a place where there's a gym that you can make an appointment. And so, um, I've been very lucky that way. And usually what we do is they'll bring their iPad and they set me up and, I take them through a workout. I mean, you know, it's not ideal because it's hard to see form. And, you know, if they have like an injury going on, I can't really like touch them or look at things, but it hasn't been bad. It's been pretty good. It's been fun. It's different. And what about your own training? I know Arizona did have some lockdowns during the pandemic. How has that been? You know, for me, 
it didn't really have too much of an impact. I was very, very lucky because um, there was a pool that stayed open the entire time. Obviously, you know, you had to make appointments and it was very strict, but it was a four lane pool. And that's the only reason they were able to stay open. And it was pretty hush hush. So it didn't get too crazy. Um, and then, you know, riding outside was fine. Running outside was fine. Of course, you know, there's people running with a mask on and riding bikes with a mask on. I haven't done that, but I, I don't really ride around a lot of people. And the people that I train with, it's like, it's us and that's it. You know what I mean? There's nobody, not new people coming in or having to worry about this person traveling. If, if a teammate travels, then they'll usually avoid us for a week and then, you know, we're back to training, but everyone's pretty respectable, you know, social distance, all that. But I've been very, very lucky that it did not have a huge impact on my training. And you mentioned looking forward to maybe another 70.3 in Texas coming up, but in the broader span of like the whole circuit that's out there with 70.3 racing, are there any races that, you know, you've really looked at like, okay, maybe I'll keep doing, you know, non-draft legal racing to get this one under my belt too. Yeah. So I think Land and I have basically decided that I probably won't do any races this year, just because like I said, everything's canceled. And I think there's two left on the schedule, but it hasn't been looking too good. Um, so I'll be doing Florida in Claremont, um, October 24th. And the PTO is putting on a race there. I'm not sure of the name though. It's called the Grand Great something. Floridian. I don't know if you guys. The Great oh, Floridian. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so I'll be doing that race, and then I'll be doing Texas November 22nd, and then um, the PCO will have their championship. I think it's December 4th, and so they were talking about how there's 10 wild cars because obviously I'm not ranked at all, um, and so I put my name on the list to maybe be drawn for. For, for a wild card. Well, Laura, thank you so much for coming on today. Congratulations again on your, your finish in Cozumel and good luck the rest of the season and into 2021. It was great to catch up with you. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. And it's been a pleasure talking with you guys. 2020. What a year, but Haley, it hasn't been all bad. Okay. Alyssa, tell me what's good about 2020. Well, Iron Women partnered with Form Swim Goggles. The pandemic has made pool time really tough, but that hasn't stopped me from seeing my swim splits, pace, and heart rate in real time thanks to the display in the eye cup of my Form Swim Goggles. That's right, and you've spent the past couple of months alternating between a backyard pool, a public pool, and even an open water quarry, right? Yep. The Form Swim Goggles now even work in open water. You can track your GPS in a lake, ocean, and even a quarry and see it all in the Form Swim app. Okay, you've convinced me. Thanks to Form, maybe there can still be some swim highlights in 2020. For $199, you get a pair of Form's smart swim goggles, adjustable nose bridges to fit any face, and a fancy zipper carrying case. You can check it all out at formswim.com. Haley, do you know what I'm doing when I'm feeling kind of down? What do you do, Alyssa? I go to gooder.com forward slash feisty, the live feisty curated collection on the Gooder sunglasses website. And I read the fun names of all the sunglasses. Ooh, do you have a current favorite? I think today I'm going with Kitty Hawker's Ray Blockers. Oh, nice pick from the new Mach G line. 
Going for a run in a pair of teal aviators would make me so happy right now. Happiness really might be a pair of no slip, no bounce, polarized sunglasses in fun colors with a fun name. Happiness is also sunglasses that start at just $25 a pair. So all of our listeners should go to gooder.com forward slash feisty to see our favorites and find their own. That's G-O-O-D-R.com forward slash F-E-I-S-T-Y. Be sure to check out the virtual try-on feature while you're there. And of course, look good, run gooder. Haley, Laura, having Georgianne as a training partner is kind of like, I would say the equivalent of you having Nikki Kimball, where you both are doing very different racing, almost to the point that it's like completely different sports, right? And, but yet you're still able to find some kind of ground and come together, train a little bit, support each other, and it just works. That is a good analogy. And I have definitely helped Nikki with her indoor cycling. She's, she's, she would be out. You want to recruit her for your Zwift team. I'm telling you, but in all reality, actually Nikki has offered to help me like practice technical downhill running, which is an area where I can definitely improve. We have probably run out of that window for 2020, um, here in Bozeman, given the snow situation, um, any like higher up in the mountains, but, I am going to take her up on that eventually because that's an area of improvement for me for sure is technical mountain running, downhill running. You've seen me run downhill. on I'm great on like a 1% decline on a flat road. I'm so good at that kind of downhill running, but throwing some rocks in there, it's a, it gets a little dicey. It's totally a skill. So just like, what were we talking about? Oh, my orienteering. Just like my orienteering. We talked about being a skill where I read books and I practice. Maybe maybe I'll find you a book on downhill running. Yeah, I'll, please I'll do. I got I got a couple of months to, to read about it. So I would, that would be great. <laughs> all right, Haley. Well, I think that's all we have for everyone this week. If you are listening, please remember to let us know that you're listening on social media and if you can leave a rating and review for us on your podcast app of choice, that always helps us out too. And right into our mailbag. Ask us any questions that you have. Ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. All right, Haley, I'll talk to you next week. Bye, Alyssa. You have been listening to the Iron Women Podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Live Feisty Media and is edited by Lindsay Glassford. Thank you to our sponsors, Zilio Skincare, Noon Hydration, Orca Sportswear, Gooder Sunglasses, as well as our Live Feisty Patreon community. You can find all website links and discount codes in our show notes or at ironwomenpodcast.com. Mm-hmm.